Make It Right, the manufacturing podcast. Over the last number of years, the U.S. has been working to bring manufacturing back to America with the goal of jobs and industry that benefit the economy. It's an ongoing process that Harry Moser, the founder and president of the Reshoring Initiative, has been championing for a number of years. I'm Janet Eastman. Welcome to Make It Right, where this week, Kevin Snook and I continue our discussion with Harry on the challenges of reshoring U.S. manufacturing. Yeah. Okay, so in a perfect world, how does reshoring, nearshoring, and leanshoring all work together? Okay, uh, for, first, just on, on reshoring, first, let me emphasize total cost of ownership, which we alluded to a little bit before. Yeah, okay. And, okay, and, and we supply the... We have free online on our website, uh, website reshorenow.org. Uh, we have the total cost of ownership estimator. So you sign up, you sign in, you use it. And it, it starts, the, the user puts in all the data and puts in the FOB price from the US and the other country. It'll work fine for Canada, for example, too. And except it'll be in dollar, US dollars. And, and then you, it, it calculates the duty and the freight and the carrying cost of inventory and the travel cost. And you do assumptions about uh, quality differentials and the value of a made in USA label and also. And, and so 15, 20% gets added in to the offshore cost and will balance off that much FOB price differential. So, so to show you the, the power of this, uh, we had, um, I took the first 180 cases of China versus the U.S. So the, I've got a, a, a chart and, and, a, and a line chart, and it shows uh, the Chinese price as a percentage of the U.S. price. And in about 8% of the cases, the U.S. had the lower price. But in terms of total cost, 32%. And in the case where there was a 15% Trump tariff, 46%. So just by doing the math correctly, you go from 8% to 32 or 46%. So just because you start to quantify all these other terms that most companies ignore. So, so the, the first thing, the simplest thing to get reshoring going or nearshoring is to do the math correctly and make the right decisions. So we, all the readers, it's free online, use it. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. So then you, you're talking about nearshoring. So yeah. we're, um, we, my first allegiance is, is to the U.S., but, but we're very much in favor of a North American uh, alliance. If, if I were the czar of North America, I would have U.S., Canada, and Mexico working together to bring work back from Asia, uh, put the more labor-intensive logically into Mexico, because otherwise you can't afford it, put the more skill or, or technology-intensive up into U.S. and Canada, and I've got a, a study I did that concluded, you, realistically, you could bring a million jobs or more back to North America, more jobs to the other countries, maybe equal or more production to the U.S. and Canada, and, 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 and have no impact on uh, consumer pricing in North America. And yet you'd have Mexico would go from a poor, you know, problem kind of a country to a, to a very successful country. And the side benefit would be the U.S. would then stop losing jobs to Mexico because their wage rates would have gotten so high that they weren't, you know, quite as much of a threat to to our manufacturing. Okay, so, so I think there's great opportunities for for North America. Okay, uh, and lean shoring. Lean, lean shoring is 
like I talked about before with mm -hmm. with uh, Jim Womack, uh, uh, bring it back into in a lean way. And lean TCO is basically a lean concept because uh, Deming, who who is sort of sort of the father of lean uh, quality, uh, he said stop buying on the basis of price instead uh, minimize total cost. So lean, TCO is lean, uh, you know, flow is lean, all, all these methodologies are, are lean. And, and if you do that and you automate and you do skills, it, it, clearly 20 or 30% of what's offshore would come back. Uh, for the US about 5 million manufacturing jobs, 40% increase. Okay, Kevin, I have to ask you because you're over in Asia and a lot of the manufacturing has been done over there the last number of years. If um, if countries start doing this reshoring, how how does the culture of manufacturing in Asia change? Because they're not going to fold up shop and walk away. So what are they going to do? Yeah, well, the the good thing is that the uh, standard of living in many of those countries is growing um, compared to where it was 20 years ago. So there's a lot more servicing their own populations. And as you know, China and India have got huge populations that need servicing and they need to be brought up a, a, you know, a level in terms of their GDP. So I think, uh, I think it's not going to be a huge issue. I, I don't think there's any way that Asia is going to stop moving forward. Um, there's so much uh, in, that, in that level of education and the way that education has been ramping up over such a period of time. Um, it's, in, it's ingrained now and, and manufacturing is not looked at as a bad career. This is where I think there's, a, there's this huge challenge for, for the West is that it, it is looked at as a, as a, as a negative. Whereas over in Asia, it's a real positive career, right? It's compared to, you're still in that part, but compared to working in the fields or doing relatively menial jobs, you're in a pretty nice factory doing some pretty high tech stuff. Um, and and I, I think that's what needs to happen back in the West again. We need to be able to bring up that, that level of what manufacturing means and, um, and, and then be able to continue to grow. So I think in Asia, it's, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about taking some of the jobs back. I think what we need to be able to do is put a little bit of tension in the system. And I think what you'll see is the overall um, rate of increase of capability go up. And, you know, that's what lean and continuous improvement and all those things are about, right? And that's what Make It Right's about. We want to continue making things better, but doing that throughout the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd like to, to mention a couple of things. Sure. Um, in, in addition to the TCO estimator free online, we have some charged services uh, specifically for uh, bigger companies, OEMs. We can help them reevaluate their offshoring or, or domestic and you help them use the TCO estimator to optimize. Second, we have a program we call import substitution program for the SMEs, for the like in Germany, the Mittelstand, the, the, the family-owned, you know, job shop kind of people. Huh? And so a, a company can put up a product. They can say, I'm really good at making these. And then we, we can tell them who the biggest importers are of these and what tonnage they're bringing in, whom they're buying them from, roughly what they're paying for them. And then we train that mid-sized company to use TCO to calculate how much the big company is going to save by going to the big company and showing them 
those advantages. So, so we work with the big companies to do that. We work with the, the smaller companies to convince the big companies to do it. And then we have another program where we have identified the supply chain gaps. So something a year ago, I would have said masks and gowns and gloves and penicillin and so on, but I wasn't smart enough to do that. Okay? So, so we can identify maybe a thousand product categories where there's say $100 million worth of imports and nothing or essentially nothing made here. So that's a supply chain gap. And then the idea is for companies to say, huh, I make something like that. I could fill that gap. I could become the only US manufacturer of that and take some of that market away. Or economic developers can go to the companies that we identify that are the foreign suppliers and convince them to put a factory into Chicago or Louisiana or somewhere, Canada, somewhere. And, and become the, the North American supplier of that product. So, so we've got some very nice programs. Again, anybody's interested, uh, get in touch with us. We'd, uh, you know, every, every job you bring back gets me closer to my goal of 5 million back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Harry, I, I love the fact that you have these tools because I'm a big fan of transparency. And whenever a leadership team wants to make a decision, they need to have really good data. And what you're doing is you're providing with the TCO, you're providing a free tool that they can actually get real transparent data on. And that, that's always good for decision making. And, and so whether it's the free tool or whether it's your paid services, I think whenever people invest in getting real information, uh, then they can make the smartest decision. And that, that's all we're, we're looking for people to do, right? Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> so, Harry, I want to ask you about this um, this replacement to the NAFTA agreement. It's called the USMCA, United States Mexico Canada Agreement. What's it going to play? How is it going to play into all of this uh, reshoring? What impact is it going to have on trade deficits, other aspects of the society and the economy? Uh, I say moderate, small, small to moderate. I, I think it it had to be done. The old one was, I don't know, what, 20, 30, 40 years old, and it was outdated, and the economy's changed, technology's changed, practice, something had to be done. So it was, it was a good decision to do it. Uh, but if you look at the substantive facts in it, I think uh, for, for something, for a product to avoid the tariff coming out of Mexico or Canada into the U.S., uh, it, has to, it has to now have 75% uh, North American content instead of uh, 60%. So a small, small difference. And, and a, a certain percentage of it has to be made by people making $16 or more an hour. So that's going to keep some of it out of Mexico and in US and Canada or, or drive the Mexican wages up. I don't think that's going to happen uh, soon. Uh, <clears throat> but but the, the, the thing that nobody talks about in the articles is that product coming out of like you'd say Canada or Mexico into the US that does not meet the criteria, the, the tariff is only 2.5%. <laughs> so, so you've made some pretty high barriers, but easy to jump over so yeah. speak, you know, or something like that. So, so, so if, they had, if they had raised the tariff from two and a half to 10% or 15% for non-compliant product, that then then it would have some real teeth and you'd see work flowing into, into North America because there was enough incentive. So, so I think it had to be done, uh, good, uh, moderate, moderate impact, you know, not millions of jobs. Maybe it's for the US, maybe it's, I don't know, 50,000 jobs, but still 50,000 is a good thing to have. You know? 
Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, we're almost out of time, Harry. We've taken up a lot of your time, and I thank you very much. Um, but this reshoring initiative, you've been focused on the U.S., but I'm in Canada. There are people in Mexico. This is something that, and I think around the world probably, Kevin, and you can, you can let me know what you think, but I'm sure that in Australia, New Zealand, and they've run into issues and they're thinking, well, we need to bring some of this back. So this is an opportunity for everybody, right, Harry? Yeah, exactly. Actually, our TCO estimator is uh, posted, uh, a, a, a revised version is posted at Cranfield University in the UK for people to use there. Uh, we've talked to Investissement Quebec for doing it in Quebec. Uh, there, we've talked with NextGen in Canada to do it there. Uh, I did a uh, podcast with Tony Clement or Clement. Clement. Uh, Clement. Uh, yeah. About uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, about this. Uh, I, I, about a week ago, I did. Uh, I participated in a session of the International Democratic Union, uh, which is the center-right parties around the world, hosted by uh, Stephen Harper, and it was all about reshoring. So there's clearly international interest, enthusiasm for the for this subject, and and again, you know, we're, we th we think that every country should make most of what it consumes. So we're here to help every country do that as long as I'm not specifically pulling work out of the United States to go to, go to the other country. <laughs> I guess so ultimately, and you've mentioned this a number of times through the conversation, Harry, um, the American public needs to change their perception on manufacturing and get themselves educated to match the skilled labor that is going on around the world, correct? No question about it. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and we need, you need the skills. You need smart, smart people. You need mm -hmm. skills and you need enthusiasm. I, I, there's, I mean, people, I've had people come over to China, like in China, when Apple, Apple had, all of a sudden they had the new piece that they needed to put, put together the product at the Foxconn factory. And so Foxconn goes to the dormitory, rings the bell, 6,000 people wake up at midnight. They hand them, you know, a bowl of rice and a cup of tea and they work for 12 hours putting the thing together so they can ship it on time to Apple. Now, can you imagine in Canada or the U.S. people doing that? No, <laughs> you know, they're not going to do it, not, not today. But they can at least up their game and be really disciplined and really diligent and really and train themselves and, and, and focus on what's good for, for the team as a whole. You know, because the competition out there is tough. And if you don't, if you don't play an A game, you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. And Kevin, you've always talked about how, you know, all of those frontline workers that you deal with, they really want their companies to succeed because it means their income and their lifestyle and the benefits to their family, et cetera. So everybody's pulling in the same direction um, when you talk about the factory workers that you work with. Yeah, I've never had somebody say, you know, um come to work to not do a good job. Um, you know, they, they've got to pay for their kids' education. They've got to buy the new car. They've got to, you know, and so they want the company to be successful. And to me, this all comes down to the leadership. And it's the leadership that are listening to the podcast that need to be able to say, okay, what am I doing to make sure that this is right? What am I doing to make sure that we're bringing in the very best of people? And I was talking to a company just uh, about three weeks ago, and we were talking about the culture in the company. And it was 
what would you want to do to this company in order to be able to, the people that are on the front line want their brothers and sisters and cousins to work in this, in this business, right? And, uh, and, and at the moment, that's not the situation. People are kind of almost a little bit embarrassed that they work in manufacturing. And we've got to turn that company culture around. So the, as Harry said, the very best people are getting into manufacturing. And there's certainly a place for it. There's a need for it. Um, and all we've got to do as leaders is be the leaders and, and move forward in that direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. Harry, it has been a pleasure talking to you. You are a wealth of knowledge, and I am sure we're going to want to talk to you again. I hope you'll join us then. I hope so. Uh, send, send me a link so I can push this out and get, get more viewers. You bet. We certainly will. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye, Kevin. Bye, Janet. Okay. Harry Moser is the uh, founder and president of Reshoring Initiative, and Kevin Snook joins us every week. He's a manufacturing leadership advisor, and he is based in Thailand. And that's our show this week. Please check out our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds that are on the podcast page. Subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. I'm Janet Eastman. Thanks very much for listening to the Make It Right podcast.